Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Everyone is talking about Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group here. And good morning, Ray. It's great to see you. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Money Wise on a Sunday morning. And Phil, thank you for being a world traveler. <laughs> And bringing us news from the the northern ter- territories, as we like to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> what um, an exciting time we live in, isn't it? It is. It's always great. It's we always we great. promise we're not going to talk about politics today, not very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of interesting news to bring you today. We have a very special guest we have with us this morning, our district attorney, Tom Quinn, district attorney of Bristol County. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Ray. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you so much for being here. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk today about a very important topic. And please stay tuned for the entire show if you can. We're going to be talking about elder abuse and particularly elder financial abuse. We also have with us one of the smallest, most powerful attorneys on the planet, Mm. Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here again. And Tenny is here because she does a lot of work in the area of uh, working with the elderly, working with helping people do their estate plans, and she can be reached at 508-998-8800. And uh, Tenny, uh, you do a lot of work in the area of uh, Medicaid planning as well as estate planning, correct? Yes, we do. Our area of, um, I I don't want to use the word expertise because that's... uh, Probably not the case, but um, we do a lot in elder affairs, whether it be estate planning or Medicaid or whatever. Well, our special topic this morning is elder abuse and elder financial abuse. And as I said, we're thrilled to have with us attorney Thomas M. Quinn III. He's our district attorney in Bristol County, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He serves um, cities and towns across the county. There are 20 in all. Uh, Tom, you were actually appointed to the position of district attorney by Governor Charlie Baker um, about a year ago, actually January of 2015. Yes, it uh, was a unique set of circumstances that brought me to this position. Uh, Former DA Sam Sutter, uh, who was the DA for eight years, ran in a special election for mayor in Fall River in December and won. And that set in motion a chain of events that led me to be appointed initially by Governor Deval Patrick on January 2nd, and then several weeks later by Governor Charlie Baker uh, to the position of district attorney. Uh, I was very uh, gratified that during that time I received a lot of support from the office and the community for the position. Uh, I had been a prosecutor for 16, 17 years at that point, but I was uh, very uh, humbled and taken aback by the support and grateful for the appointment. One of the best prosecutors, too. Well, I have to say, um, you know, Phil and, and Tom, and Tom, you won't say this about yourself, but I was absolutely thrilled when I was reading all the articles in the paper about your being appointed to the position, the very important position of district attorney, because uh, more than most people who have occupied that seat, um, you bring with it just years and years and years of criminal prosecution experience. And 
So I'm, I'm thrilled that you're in that position. And by the way, I'll say this just once. Um, when it comes time for your election campaign, whatever we can do to help you, we are thrilled to do so. And maybe you won't have opposition, maybe you will, but we're happy to help you in any event because, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very qualified, experienced gentleman sitting in the seat of district attorney. Uh, Tom, I want to mention uh, in your office, I know that you have a number of very important priorities, including the prevention of elder abuse and domestic violence. You're working with uh, at-risk youths. Uh, you've increased the number of dangerousness hearings so that we can get people off the street who don't belong on the street. Um, you've been involved in prosecuting gun violence and um, gang and drug-related cases. Um, you've been a real activist in even just the short time that you have been district attorney. So kudos to you and to your staff. You've got a very qualified professional staff. Now, you were born in this area, correct? Yes, I was born at St. Luke's Hospital, 1960. Uh, you didn't have to give the date. Huh? No, that's okay. Uh, I grew up in Dartmouth. Uh, my family is originally from New Bedford. Went to Dartmouth High School. Uh, got married uh, later on. Woman from my wife from Fall River, and I've been living in Fall River for approximately 28 years now. And where did you go to college? Went to the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester. And um, Tenny and I both went to Clark University in Worcester. So yes. we went to a lot of basketball games in which Clark was playing Holy Cross. Actually, uh, we're a little bit older than you are, uh, Tom, but uh, we had some good basketball teams back then. And where did you go to law school? Went to Suffolk Law School in Boston. Okay. And you're also actively involved in some church activities, I believe. Is, is that correct? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm a parishioner at Holy Name Parish in Fall River. I originally uh, came from St. Mary's in Dartmouth. Uh, my children went to the Holy Name Catholic School, so I became active in the school and the parish. I sit on the Finance Council and just came from an, a meeting uh, earlier this morning, uh, Bishop Conley High School uh, Finance Board. So I have been active uh, uh, in, the, in uh, my parish communities trying to make a difference. That's good. And do you have time to sleep? <laughs> uh, sometimes. Uh, I keep busy, but I'm trying to get my rest. Uh, I got, let's see, I went to bed last night uh, after watching the uh, primary uh, uh, results. Yeah. So I get, a, I, I get a decent amount of sleep. I can use more. Yeah, I guess we can all say that. Well, let's talk about the very important topic of Elder abuse and elder financial abuse. I know one of the real problems with elder abuse, and we're going to talk about what that means, it's not just physical abuse, it's financial abuse, is that only one in six cases of elder abuse are ever reported compared to one in three for child abuse. And I wonder, uh, maybe you can comment on this, Tenny, Attorney Tenny Lance, why do the elderly not report cases of elder abuse, financial abuse? Well, there are probably a lot of reasons, and probably Attorney Quinn knows better than I, but uh, certainly some of the reason may be they don't know how to do it. Another may be that they are not anxious to report um, what they don't consider abuse by loved ones, uh, people who may be elderly and have given money to children or grandchildren. Uh, they don't necessarily consider that abuse, although all of their money may be eaten up with those kinds of gifts. 
And I would imagine there's a lot of embarrassment, too. It's, it's a humiliating matter if somebody's been taken advantage of, and they probably just are too embarrassed to let other family members know. Would that be logical? Yes, sometimes that's certainly the case. But I think one of the most important things that we can do today is to try to let people know how to report it and what it means if you do report it. Are you um, subjected to lots of criticism for that? And is it um, kept secret? Uh, how, do you, how do you do this? So let's assume that somebody is listening today and you have a family member that's taking advantage of you and they're borrowing money and borrowing money or using money or writing checks on your account. And I'm certain that there are people listening to this show this morning uh, who are in that position. Um, So here's a question for District Attorney uh, Tom Quinn. How would somebody go about reporting this? Could they call your office, for example? Well, Ray, there's several ways, and it's not easy, especially if it's a family member. But if it's a criminal matter, they could call the police. Uh, They could call our office if they're engaged with their local council on aging or involved with Bristol Elder Services. They could make an initial complaint there. We're involved. We become more involved with Bristol Elder Services over the last few months um, with referrals. Uh, It's not an easy thing. There's shame involved, like was said, embarrassment. It's very difficult to go against a family member, especially if it's a blood relative, which it is sadly in many cases. But I think the theme has to be uh, people who have given much to this country during their life, raising children, working, obeying laws, paying taxes, the end of their life should not be subject to having uh, money taken from them either with or without authority if it's abusive, uh, and should try to, in their own little way, say, I'm not going to stand for that. Now, it may not be going to the police in every case, but I just think in the end people need to say, you know what, I I don't have to be treated like this. I'm going to put a stop to it. Now, in your office, um, Tom, you have a brand-new unit, which is an um, elder abuse unit. Is it called Elder Financial Abuse Unit? Is that the name? Yes. And um, who heads up that unit? Well, my deputy district attorney, Bill McCauley, oversees that unit. Mm-hmm. Um, during the past year, we uh, were discussing various issues and initiatives, and he was reviewing many of the referrals we get with respect to elder financial abuse. Mm-hmm. And we both said that, that this is staggering. Not that it was a revelation. I think it was a revelation when you really looked at the volume of cases uh, and, and many of the, sadly, untapped cases that were out there that aren't reported. So I decided uh, to form this unit to deal with financial fraud because there are obviously other forms of abuse, but the physical abuse of the elderly and neglect uh, 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 certainly dealt with and reported. If someone is assaulting the elderly, that's a clear crime and should be dealt with by the authorities. But this focuses on financial abuse. Uh, I've assigned a prosecutor to uh, deal specifically with these cases, to initiate investigations. I've dedicated several state troopers to, to this cause who are part of our unit and are also working with other police departments uh, to investigate these cases and see if there's a criminal aspect to them. Mm-hmm. And um, our, our attorneys, Tom Hunt and Karen Walker, are they also, or Welker, I guess it is, um, they're also working and helping to prosecute some of these cases. Is that correct? That's correct. What, what we are working on, and this will evolve over time, Karen Walker is 
assigned doing exclusively elder abuse cases. Tom Hunt is also uh, handling some of those cases from that unit. Uh, because of the number of them that require uh, prosecutorial review, they will handle some and then we will refer them out to other prosecutors. For example, mm-hmm. you handle a Mr. Lance case. Mm-hmm. They review it, see if charges can be brought. So we're in some respects in the beginning stages of that because you know, as you may know, th- these uh, cases take time to investigate. Uh, we deal with issues of competency. Someone has to allege that a crime is committed. Right. Uh, so it ta- they're time-consuming, but that's not going to be an obstacle to me investigating these cases and bringing charges if appropriate. I read a story recently that there was a case in Taunton where there was a 41-year-old woman who stole $75,000 from an elderly neighbor over a couple of years, and she was literally stealing her checks and then writing them out to herself. Um, But apparently she was prosecuted and sentenced to two and a half years in the Bristol County House of Correction. Now, that's an out-and-out case of theft, obviously. Correct. I suspect it's it's much more insidious when you have a family member who's preying on an older person uh, and taking money from them. And we've seen a few cases of that. I I had a case myself... um, about two years ago, we had a lady who was uh, roughly in the Somerset, Swansea area, and she had a grandson living with her who had a drug problem. And I suspect a lot of this emanates from the, the drug situation we have today. And he literally kept telling her that he needed money for drug treatments and drug therapy, and he took her for $300,000. And when he took all the money out of her accounts, he then went after her credit cards, and he used her, they would actually go down to an ATM together, and he would have her use her credit cards and take cash out of the ATM accounts. And he got into her for about another $20,000. And then this poor woman's sister found out what was going on and um, brought her into my office. And at that point, basically when the money ran out, the grandson left as well. He had no more money that he could take from her. Uh, we ended up having to do a reverse mortgage on her house that had no mortgage on it in order to pay off her credit cards. And it was really a, a sad situation, but we've, we've seen it in our own business that we do. So it does happen, and uh, I'm sure, Tenny, you've seen cases as well. So um, are you working um, with other agencies as well? You mentioned Bristol Elders, for example. Yes, we are, because the matter has to be brought to our attention by somebody. It could be brought to the attention by the local police department, but that would be, as you indicated recently, more of a clearer case of theft. We've, uh, we are working very closely with Brista Elder Services, who's really a conduit for a lot of this information because they're involved with a lot of these elderly clients, mm-hmm. and they uh, have the ability to see, determine or at least uh, see suspect if something is amiss with the financial uh, status of a client. So we're working very closely with them. Um, The Council on Aging, while they're not a direct referral, uh, I'm going out to meet with each Council on Aging, uh, meet the the clients, if you will, the individuals who go there, uh, discuss some prevention measures. Uh, So establishing a relationship with them, because at the very least, if they were there at the Council on Aging, there was something wrong, they might uh, open up to somebody there who they're familiar with. So um, 
we were, the state police refer us cases. They have a unit, but they're sort of a clearinghouse to just say, is this, this is a possible case. So we, they're coming from a number of directions. That's why we have this unit to have organization and uh, stability to uh, reviewing these complaints. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you, you're listening to MoneyWise, and our special guest this morning is uh, attorney and district attorney Thomas Quinn. Um, who's been district attorney now for a little bit over a year. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he is running for election this fall. So make sure you support this man because he's done wonderful things uh, in our county to help people. Um, Tom, I'd like to come back and just ask you a couple of questions. Um, Do you ever get um, referrals from police departments, for example? Do you get a call from a police chief or somebody in a police department saying, we need to talk to somebody in your elder financial abuse unit because we think we have a problem. We do, although since I've just formed this unit the last four or five months, it's sort of a potentially a different process. But each police department in the city or town they're in certainly receives complaints of elder abuse. Let's just stick to the financial part of it. It could be writing a bad check. Uh, So they certainly could do their own investigative work and bring charges, or they could work in conjunction with us. So I think that relationship will develop. We have several investigations going now in different departments uh, in the northern part of the county and and locally to this area. Um, And the only way that we're going to make a dent in this is to get people to work together um, from various, whether it's Bristol Other Services, police departments, DA office, because, again, this is time-consuming work. We have to obtain records. We have to – is there a mental health uh, – not mental health issue, but a, a, a competency issue. Um, there is, unfortunately, dementia floating around. That's an issue in some of these cases. Sure. We, we just charged some uh, victim. We charged the case several months ago in which the victim is suffering from dementia. Uh, so that can complicate the investigations. But um, I think it, people working together, Bristol Elder Services, knowing that with us they have someone who is concerned and will try to pursue these cases uh, and, it, if appropriate, bring criminal charges. You know, elder abuse and elder financial abuse is – not just about somebody in your family or your neighbor's family. It can also be about famous people. Phil, have you ever heard of a gentleman named Mickey Rooney? Oh, I gave him a ride to a nightclub when I was a teenager. Wow. In Hot Springs, Arkansas, to the Vapors. Well, do you you know how – we won't ask what happened at the Vapors, but do you know what happened to Mickey Rooney? Mickey Rooney was totally scammed by his caregiver to the tune of millions of dollars. Um, he died, by the way, on uh, at the age of 93. At that point, his estate was valued at $18,000. He was a victim of elder financial abuse. Um, he had a stepson, a gentleman named Christopher Aber, A-B-E-R. This is on the media, so I can give his name out. Managed his financial affairs starting in 1998 and he was not only subjected to financial abuse because he was misusing the money, uh, but also verbal abuse and physical abuse by this stepson and the stepson's wife. So in March of 2011, not that long ago, Mickey Rooney testified before the United States Senate Special uh, Committee on Aging, and he detailed his treatment. And he said, over the course of time, my daily life became unbearable. I felt trapped, scared, used and frustrated. 
but above all, I felt helpless. So later what happened is there was a special executor appointed uh, for Mickey Rooney, and they recovered a judgment of $2.8 million stipulated judgment against this stepson. So that's how much money the, these people stole from Mickey Rooney. And he basically died with only $18,000 to his wow. name. So sad. And this is what he said before Congress, Mickey Rooney. He said, to those seniors and especially elderly veterans like myself, I want to tell you this. You are not alone and you have nothing to be ashamed of. If elder abuse happened to me, it can happen to anyone. I want you to know that you deserve better. So ladies and gentlemen, um, we're thrilled that we have an elder financial abuse unit in our district attorney's office because it can happen to anyone. It can happen probably to some people who are listening today. Um, so we're talking with the district attorney, uh, Thomas Quinn, and um, my wife, attorney Tenny Lance, is also here with us this morning. Tom, one of the questions I've been curious to ask um, before you became district attorney, you were the first assistant district attorney under Sam Sutter. Is that correct? That's correct. So how is it different being district attorney than being first, assist, first assistant? Well, I think it's different in the particularly in that you have overall responsibility for the office. It involves budgetary issues. There are many decisions that have to be made on a daily basis. Some are very important, uh, are significant. Others maybe not as significant, but you ultimately have to answer for the office. And while I had a top position before, I obviously was not the district attorney. And um, so I think that's that's how it's changed is constantly, you know, monitoring and being concerned about how the, the office is running because uh, I am responsible for it and trying to put the best product out there for the people of Bristol County. Mm -hmm. But I, I enjoy it very much because I was in the trenches for 17 years, uh, starting in the bottom, working my way up. I liked it. Um, and this is a new role for me, but I, I have embraced this role also and uh, am enjoying it. Well, you've certainly uh, paid your dues and um, earned your stripes, so to speak. Um, so how do people go about reporting cases of elder abuse? I know we've got a number of agencies they can report to. Uh, we've mentioned your office. Um, What's your telephone number in your office, by the way, your main office? 508-99-70711 is our main line. So that's certainly an avenue to report it, and they could be directed, uh, could be helped out initially and directed to our elder abuse unit. Um, people can go to the local police departments. I mean, I want to have an open line because if there's trepidation or hesitancy in going to the police, which I can understand, uh, we certainly at least can initiate a conversation because that quote that you just mentioned from Mick, Mickey Rooney, I think it was, you deserve better. That's what it comes down to. And that's really what I'm trying to focus on. Let's put aside what's going to happen to the grandson or the beloved stepson, whoever these people are. They're people who are a position of trust. They prey on emotions. They abuse these people. Maybe not physically, but he's yelling and screaming, you can tell, yes. harassing him trapped, nowhere to go, nobody to turn to. We want to, I want to convey to the people, you have someone to turn to. Now, again, we're dealing with criminal matters, uh, but we don't know if they're criminal all the time. But the bottom line is they deserve better. And to have, when you're telling, reciting that story of the grandson stealing $300,000, I'm getting very agitated by that. Because no matter what 
the state and life of the grandson or the sister or the brother, whoever the individual is. They're in a position of trust. That's how they can get access to the money. And when they get a drug problem or they have – it doesn't matter. They're ruining these, this individual's life who loves them and is trusting them. Absolutely. That's the mm. overriding concern to me. Okay, if they're going to loot three hundred grand from a grandmother who, who's loved them and nurtured them and been kind to them, I have something in store for them. Uh, if we can make a case out, and unfortunately, in that kind of a situation, because she's been duped to giving all this money to the grandson, she's the kind of person who's not likely going to want to have him prosecuted and end up in jail because she's been, you know, she's been seduced by him really with his so-called problems, but he's been using her. But I imagine a lot of family That's situations, correct. they're just reluctant to go and prosecute another family member. Absolutely, Ray. And I understand that. That's the human nature. But I think it goes back to you deserve better. So you're being financially abused by a family member. You love them. You don't want to turn on them. So what's the alternative? Prevention. Well, prevention. But to you, in other words, I'm saying to the, the individual, then you just want to accept that and have all that money taken despite that they're a family member. So yep. it, prevention, exactly. absolutely, prevention is a big part of it. And that's a big part of what I'm trying to focus on because the damage is done once we bring criminal charges. They very likely, you think they're going to get money back from that grandson? No, never. Okay, never. So, never. But there has to be accountability if it can be established criminally and punishment if warranted. We're going to come right back in, in just one minute, ladies and gentlemen. Please stay tuned. We're talking with District Attorney Thomas Quinn and Attorney Tenny Lance. And we're going to talk about some other specific stories. And we're going to be talking about some elderly scams that are out there, too. Phone calls and things of that nature. So please stay tuned. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another edition of MoneyWise, brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road. Please take a moment to visit our website, usawealthgroup.com. If you have questions regarding finances and retirement, give us a call. We're happy to talk to you anytime. And our phone number is 508-998-8858. This morning, our special topic is elder financial abuse, and we're going to be talking about scams. And so welcome back, Attorney Tenny Lance, and welcome back, Attorney and District Attorney Thomas Quinn. Tenny, you have something you would like to say. Well, I'd like to ask a question because I think this is uh, what a lot of people are thinking about. What is the issue that tips the scale to make it a criminal abuse? Where, what's the bright line that makes it uh, change from a gift from the elderly because they love their grandson to a criminal situation? In in a very simple way, taking the property of another without their authority. So it's stealing their property without authority. If I cajole you into giving me money because I'm the beloved grandson, that is not stealing. It may be immoral if it's for bad purposes. Forgery of one's signature is a crime. Uh, these things can be... These things can be difficult to prove. There's no question about it. Larceny under false pretenses... Uh, could be a crime. So ultimately, we have to show the intent to per permanently deprive that person uh, of the property with a, with a larceny intent. Now, if I, you hand it over, unless it's under some specific false pretenses, if you say, look at, uh, you know, I, I'm desperate, I need this money, whether they're saying it's for drugs or whatever they're saying it's for, that, that's not a crime. Uh, it, it's despicable, maybe, 
if you view it that way, but it's not a crime. So I think it's uh, it's a gr- it can be a gray area, uh, but we have the distinction is outright theft. But many of these cases are just the abuse, the manipulation of these people into turning over money theoretically voluntarily that maybe is not is not being prosecuted. Maybe we cannot prosecute it. What we can do is prevent it from happening by talking to them and them not acquiescing to this manipulation. That's Mm -hmm. more important than ultimately saying we're going to charge the grandson with this crime. It's a last resort potentially. Don't give them the money if we can intervene in in a caring way. I also think the lack of support is an issue because if you're there by yourself, you're even subject to more manipulation. Uh, I'll give you a quick example if there's time. My father calls me up six, um, four months ago. Tom, there's a serious problem here. So he's junior. I'm third. What's it? Medical issue is what I'm expecting. The IRS is called. They want money. They say, oh, money. So in a nutshell, I say... The IRS does not respond over communicate over the phone. No, they do they not. They send letters that you should be scared of when you receive, but they certainly don't send them over the phone. Anyways, I call up a day or two later. I said, this is the IRS calling. He says, the IRS doesn't call communicate by phone. Where are you calling from? Which is what I told him. So it, it's there's a comical aspect to it. Cause, but that's what you really have to do because people are calling for a reason. They're getting money from these scams. Yes, they are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. Uh, And that's – my neighbor approached me about the IRS. Um, And there are other scams that I can touch on in a moment if you'd like. But Mm -hmm. I think it's the prevention part of it. Your grandson, right? We heard about the beloved grandson. Right. He's in custody in Canada. He's in jail. He needs $2,500 for bail money. Who's going to panic? Grandmother? Wonderful people? Send the money. It's all over at that point. There's not going to be any criminal prosecution. And a friend of mine came up to me the other day and said, I wanted, I was thinking the other day, good friend of his, that's how they were scammed. And they coughed up the money. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I do uh, when I prepare for a show like this is I look at some of my, my materials and I collect them all the time. So I have a financial planning magazine. This is in July 2015. It's called Keeping Seniors Safe. Um, I have Consumer Reports, November 2015, just a few months ago. The whole the cover story is called A Crying Shame. Seniors and their families lose $3 billion a year to con artists. What can we do to stop them? Uh, Retirement Advisor, another magazine that I have in my hands. This is July of 2015, and it's called The Fight Against Fraud, Securities Fraud, uh, Stealing Money from Seniors. So there are all manners of fraud out there, and we need to be on our guard all the time. But coming back to the IRS, we've talked about this several times on the show, haven't we, Phil? The IRS does not ever call you. No. Period. No, if somebody calls, says it's the IRS, mm-hmm. hang up, report it to the police we department. We have lots of listeners who call in on the open line, and they say the same thing virtually. You know, my advice is, and it's it's sad in a way that I'm giving this, but in this age of cell phones, if you don't recognize the number, you shouldn't answer the call. They're calling my house left and right, these 800 numbers from Idaho. Do you have a dear friend in Idaho? Uh, unlikely. Uh, how about uh, how about Arizona? Do you have a dear friend in Arizona? Unlikely, because if it's your sister, she's going to call you know sister's number. I wouldn't answer the phone. Now, it's sad because... You should have a right to, to, to answer your phone, but once you get sucked in, that's how it happens. You know, that's, uh, that's really very helpful, Tom, because I have the same experience. So I, I suspect everybody listening does. I have the same policy exactly. I'm, I'm busy. If I don't recognize the number, um, I don't take the call. 
If it's important, if it's somebody that really wants to reach me, they're going to leave a message on my machine. So I just go back and I just delete that number later. And yes, I get calls from Wisconsin and Chicago. I don't know anybody there. <laughs> no, and, and you don't want to know, well, you may want to know somebody, but you don't want to know the person that's calling, I'm no, that's, sure. That's true. And a lot of fraud, by the way, comes out of Canada into the U.S., we have wonderful neighbors to our north in Canada, but there are more scams that come out of Canada into the U.S. So if you don't recognize the number, don't take the call. If you have an answering machine on your phone, they'll leave a message if it's really important. Um, that's a good tip. Um, we're talking with District Attorney uh, Thomas Quinn, Thomas M. Quinn III, actually, to be precise. And in your office, in your Elder Financial Abuse Unit, you have this nice little booklet. It's called Elder Abuse Prevention. So if somebody wants to get a copy of this, they can get a copy, I assume, by contacting your office. They can, but what we have done recently is we have created a little kiosk, if you will. Um, I wish I had a picture of it, but it's a kiosk that holds a number of uh, pamphlets. I have, one one, my, I have one in my conference room in my office. There's one from the Federal uh, Trade Commission that we had passed on initially to pass it on. These are tips against uh, fraud. And also a number of uh, documents like that that would assist people in uh, being on the lookout for scams and what they can do to prevent them. Because in the end, the prevention is the best way. The Tan case you referred to, that woman had to be punished. There was a caretaker. That woman, that victim was 85 years old. It was alleged it was up to 200000 okay? She's never going to get that money back. And at some point, I want to be humane, but whether, whatever the issues are that compel these people to steal the money, I don't care. No, I agree. And that's good. And we're, we're thrilled that we have a district attorney that has your safety and your financial health uh, as a major priority in, in his office. Um, by the way, this little booklet called Elder Abuse Prevention talks about different types of abuse. There is physical abuse. There is psychological abuse, sexual abuse, neglect and financial abuse. Of course, we're talking primarily today about financial abuse. But a good booklet, good materials. Um, go to your council on aging meetings, and especially if our district attorney is going to be a speaker there. You want to be present for that. Uh, this is a good man, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, make sure you vote for him often uh, this coming fall. Did I say that right, Tom? Yes, I have to run in <laughs> September primary in November, and I appreciate your kind words. Our district attorney and I were talking a little bit uh, before the show began, um, and he actually worked in the office when Ron Pina was district attorney, and I told him that I had worked in the first political campaign for Ron Pina when he ran for state representative, and I also worked in his campaign when he ran for district attorney. So we all go back a fairly long way, don't we, Tom? We do. That was my first job. I've worked for four district attorneys I'm the fourth, working for myself, but... Uh, uh. Well, um, we're really excited to have you on here this morning. Um, we know that you work with local council on agings, and I think that's a great outreach. Um, as we talk here this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I'm certainly aware that many, many people out there have had these kinds of problems in their lives, or... What if you're a neighbor or a relative and you know that something is happening to your sister or your cousin? Why don't you take the time to report that to somebody else? And whether it's criminal or not criminal, maybe there's a way to bring that to a halt, to bring it to a stop. 
So let's talk about some of the ways that seniors can actually uh, protect themselves. Um, first of all, if somebody is taking money from you on a consistent basis, you're probably being abused financially, and whether you can afford it or whether not. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the scams that take place. Um, what about contractor scams? Have you ever seen contractor scams where they're overcharging the elderly, for example? We have. Um, that's an area you've got to be very careful with. Uh, I would certainly consult with a family member or somebody before signing any contract for home repairs. That's ripe for problems. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give any money up front. Um, but this is the whole key is people are vulnerable yes. but uh, and they might acquiesce. But I think it's critical not to make that decision by yourself. I hate to say it. I wouldn't say to call the DA's office, but if it came down to somebody having their money taken, uh, we certainly would respond to that. But again, we, we uh, are primarily a criminal agency. But right. this issue is so important that whatever can be done within reason to try to uh, intervene, you just mentioned, Ray, about – the neighbor or the friend watching this. It's not easy to intervene, but you you have to do it. Otherwise, it's going to continue. And we're not talking about any type of physical intervention. These family members with their sons or daughters, they do become very abusive. It's mental anguish. It's inflicted guilt. Mm. And that's how it comes. Because as you pointed out uh, very clearly, we're not talking 100 or $200. That money's given willingly. We're talking thousands that are taken from these people, whether it's acquiescence or theft. And one of the things you can do also if you're a senior person and you're finding it more difficult to handle your finances, have somebody that you can trust handle your finances for you. Tenny, I know in your practice you're working mostly with seniors. Um, you do a lot with document preparation to make sure that people have powers of attorney and legal documents so that they can be assisted if necessary. Yes, those documents we recommend to everyone. Uh, as Ray said, you should have a durable power of attorney for property in which you name a trusted person, an agent, to take over the uh, care of your property if you are either unable to do so or perhaps you're just tired of doing so, whatever. You should also have uh, a durable power of attorney for your health so that somebody can make health decisions for you legally if you're not able to do so. I'll just tell a funny story about a client I had at one point who came in to do a durable power of attorney. He was an elderly man in his 80s. He had lost his wife. He really had no one else to depend upon. And there was a lady who was a caregiver. And she had come into his life. I think she was caring for someone actually across the street, but she was helping this fellow out. He came in and he wanted to name her as his power of attorney. And when I sign these documents with people, I say exactly the same thing. You have to trust the person you're naming because otherwise they can clean you out of everything. And this lady, when she was there with him, was extremely irritated by my words. She got up and left and would not come and sit down with us again. Uh, it certainly seemed to me that this lady had in mind uh, a future scamming of this fellow and taking of all of his property. So the message really simply is that if you're going to name somebody in your documents to handle your affairs, you have to have somebody that you can truly trust. Absolutely. 
Tom, are you going to say something? Just, I would second that. I think that's an outstanding point because once you have a durable power of attorney, you have a lot of power. And that's where you're going to see cases where the person will abuse the relationship, siphon off thousands of dollars of money, but then fall back on, I have that power of attorney. You just one last quick point on home health aides or providers. There's many people that do tremendous work that are loving and caring. But you've got to be careful because when people come in and all of a sudden they're handling your money, do you truly know them? I mean, when you're talking about at least family members, you're talking about years of a relationship. If you just meet somebody and all of a sudden within months or a year they're handling your finances, you're headed down a very dangerous road. And I guess, Tenny, in an extreme case, you could even have a, a guardian or a conservator appointed for somebody, correct? Yes, that's a court process to um, do what you could do with a durable power of attorney yourself or with a health care power of attorney. But sometimes it's absolutely essential to go to court and have a neutral source, the court people, uh, have someone appointed on your behalf. I think one of the most important things that we've learned this morning in talking with um, Attorney Tenny Lance and with our district attorney, Tom Quinn, is that there is a difference between elder abuse, which is just taking advantage of someone, and elder abuse, which rises to the level of criminal activity. Um, not every case can be prosecuted, but everybody should be aware and anybody listening today, if you are aware of a neighbor or friend or somebody else that you think is being taken advantage of, you're not being nosy. You're not interfering in their lives. Report it to somebody, whether it's a council on aging. And there are many, many agencies around that can be helpful to us. Well, um, we only have a few more minutes left, but I'm not quite sure. We've got, oh, we could, good. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for the reminder. We have a few more uh, minutes because I want to talk about some of the other scams that take place. Um, I have a, a, a client um, who probably had the world's record for sweepstakes entries that she made, and she was into Reader's Digest and some of the other book services and gift services, and she actually invited me to go to her apartment in New Bedford, and she had two bedrooms, and one bedroom was entirely filled with boxes that hadn't even been opened because she was ordering books and books and magazines and magazine subscriptions because the more magazines and the more books she ordered, the more entries she would have into the sweepstakes. There are so many ways that the elderly are taken advantage of, um, and whether it's casinos. I won't go there particularly today, but a lot of people give up their money to casinos. I had another lady who had absolutely perfect credit, but she had built up about $40,000 of debt on credit card bills, and she was borrowing from one to pay the other, and she said she needed to file bankruptcy, and she was using all of her money to go to Foxwoods, and when she ran out of money, she'd put more money on a credit card. Um, she ended up going through about $40,000. Slightly different subject, but there, there are so many ways that the elderly are taken advantage of. Um, do you see cases of actual physical abuse? Does that become assault and battery kind of cases in the district attorney's office? We do. Sadly, Ray, we do. And those cases are prosecuted. It, again, is sometimes a family member, children assaulting a mother. Um, we've had some very serious cases uh, of abuse, but 
in the last four or five years some terrible cases of neglect that in some cases have left to let, led to the death of the person just being left in a chair to essentially die. Um, and that's uh, horrifying. But those cases are prosecuted. Um, I, I can't say that physical abuse is rampant because it does take some effort to assault an older person. I mean, it's not, fortunately, that's not common, but um, it does happen. Um, and we take those matters very seriously. But again, if you're getting into the family relationship, because uh, that is a domestic case, uh, if son is assaulting mother, that's what it generally would be, or it could be son on father. But I see the cases that I brought to my attention often, the mother will be assaulted. That's a domestic violence case. Right. But what are we unfortunately dealing with? I don't want to press charges. I don't want him to get in trouble. Yeah. But in the end, as Mickey Rooney said, what did he say? You deserve better than that. You know, we had a famous case of uh, Casey Kasem, also a, a world-class, oh, yeah. world-famous broadcaster and so forth. And his family also abused him financially and took him for millions and millions of dollars. Uh, you've heard of him before, Phil, right? Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, his was a different kind of uh, case, though. You know, I was wondering uh, when the family uh, is involved in a civil war of sorts, let's say the uh, husband married late in life, and the wife seems to be an abuser to the family. You know, they're looking on and they're saying, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, she's just the wrong person for dad. And they see a lot of abuse going on. Do you find this as something that occurs? I'm sure it requir requires frequently. You have someone marrying late in life. You have someone who's become a widow remarrying. Uh, sometimes the motivation is not pure, yeah. to say the least. But in the end, those situations come down to uh, consent. If the individual wants to do it and is saying, fine, we're going to travel, here's the money, you're on the checking account, it really isn't a criminal matter. Right. It's sad. Maybe yeah. it's immoral in the sense of uh, it's, it's the wrong thing to do. Uh, the problem that you have, Phil, money arouses some uh, negative behavior in people and – uh, I've said this, that money is not the root of all evil. It does a lot of good, but it's the root of a lot of evil. Because when you're dealing with a weak human condition, people see vulnerable victims, especially the elderly, and they move in, whether it's son, daughter in some cases, caretaker, power of attorney, new wife. Right. So uh, uh, people just have to be aware of it. But there is, in some situations, there's not much you can do about it. Right. Throughout uh, the year, the district attorney does so much in our community. Brian Rose comes on the air many times, and uh, uh, others in the, you know, Ashley Bendixson, talking about a lot of the public service programs that you instill in the community. Is this one of the uh, programs that people can find out about? You know, when you have your event at UMass Dartmouth in the summertime, uh, is... Elder abuse going to be part of this, you know, overall presentation of programs? The answer is yes. Again, this is somewhat in its initial stages in terms of really sure. pushing it further and further along. But uh, I'm going to do, within reason, whatever I can to make people aware, because that's really 
there is prosecution, but as I keep saying, the prevention, just knowing that you care about them uh, is important. And I mean, the community service, I consider myself to be a community person. That's important to me. I grew up in this area for the whole county. Sure. And I'm, I'm going to be out and about trying to uh, uh, speak if, I'm, if, if people want me to speak and push this initiative forward. You know, there is a, a statute on the books as well that does require um, Massachusetts doctors, nurses, dentists, social workers, police, firefighters, counsel on aging employees, and assisted living personnel are required by statute now to report to the Department of Elder Affairs if they have reasonable cause to think that there's an elderly person who's suffering mm-hmm. uh, from some kind of an abuse. So we, we've got a lot of good laws on the books. Um, and if you see something, say something, as the phrase goes. Report to your council on aging. Report to a family member. Say something. Don't just do nothing. Um, I was looking for a quotation that I couldn't find that I had earlier. Um, uh, I was looking for quotations on elder abuse, and one of the best ones I found was actually from the Bible, and it was, Honor thy father and thy mother. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the rest of it without seeing it. <laughs> we um, have about a minute left to say thank you. and Yeah, a great up. big thank you for listening, first of all, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to our district attorney, uh, Thomas Quinn III. Uh, Tom, thank you for the wonderful job that you're doing. We wish you great success in your election campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you get out and support our district attorney. And thank you to Attorney Tenny Lance for being with us this morning. Tom, any last thing you'd like to say before you leave? I would just say on this issue and any issues, I want to make a difference as a district attorney. Uh, I think that's what I'm about. My staff and I are going to tackle these issues and do the best we can for the citizens of Bristol County. Well, Tenny and I are number one fans for what you are doing in your office, so keep up the good work. Thank you for listening. Thank you for having me.